Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website. Even give them a call. It's johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Mark Schulman. Mark is an author. He's written several books about past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about global events. He's now located in uh, Israel, in Tel Aviv. We'll be interested to get his point of view. He's been there for about the last eight weeks. We'll also visit with Larry Reed, the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll be talking about Seattle's Autonomous Zone and its similarities to the Paris Commune of 1871. And we'll visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of a couple of books. His latest is Shake the Money Tree. It is June the 15th, and on this day in 1215, following a revolt by the English nobility against his rule, King John put his royal seal on the Magna Carta, or the Great Charter. The document, essentially a peace treaty between John and his barons, guaranteed that the king would respect feudal rights and privileges, uphold the freedom of the church, and maintain the nation's laws. Although more a reactionary than a deliberative document in the day, Magna Carta was seen as a cornerstone in the development of democratic England by later generations. The charter consisted of a preamble and 63 clauses that dealt mainly with feudal concerns that had little impact outside 13th century England. However, the document was remarkable in that it implied there were laws that the king was bound to observe, thus precluding any future claims of absolutism uh, by the English monarch. Of greatest interest to later generations was Clause 39, which stated that no free man shall be arrested or imprisoned or dispossessed uh, or outlawed or exiled or in any way uh, victimized except by the lawful judgment of his peers or by the law of the land the rights and privileges of the commoner. The clause has been celebrated as the early guarantee of trial by jury and of habeas corpus and inspired England's petition of right in 1628 and the Habeas Corpus Act of 1679. Four original copies of the Magna Carta still exist, and it really is the cornerstone of freedom, the beginning of freedom in 1215. Just an important document. Well, financial markets ended on a positive note on Friday with a Dow up 477 points. But overall, the financial markets had its biggest weekly loss since March, down 5.5%. That's the Dow. The other markets were uh, financial indicators were down as well. Right now, the uh, Dow futures are down about 500. Looks like it's going to be a down day for the markets, at least by early indications and pre-market figures. Well, next Saturday is the president's first rally in Oklahoma, again, opening up the economy and opening up uh, social uh, social distancing, I'm sure, will still be in place. But here's the news. It just passed 800,000 requests for tickets. 800,000. The biggest uh, rally sign-up of all time by 10 times. Usually it's around 80,000. It's going to be really amazing. Meanwhile, during a roundtable in Philadelphia last week, Joe Biden claimed the death of George Floyd was bigger than the assassination of Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. He really said that. He also said military will escort Trump out of the White House if he loses the election and refuses to leave. Where does he get this stuff? And he even said this. He said, I'm beginning to get bored by my own talk here. I'm not kidding. He really said these things. Joe Biden, the candidate to run for the Democrat Party against President Donald Trump. Well, a little update on COVID-19. The cases here in Collier increased to 2,435. 1,283 of them are Hispanic and over 1,000 in Immokalee, 1,075. The death toll has reached 60. 265 people in Collier County have been hospitalized, but most of them released. There have been 23,885 tested a pretty significant portion of Collier County, up almost to uh, 10%, probably around 8%, actually. 
Well, important primaries are coming up in August. Uh, this past Friday was the deadline for qualifying to get on the primary ballot. Now, here's the scoop in the Collier County Commissioner races. In Collier, uh, an open county commission seat for District 1, long held by Donna Fiala, a fixture on the commission, who's not seeking re-election, has drawn attention. There's three Republican candidates and one Democrat. Uh, Commissioner Bill McDaniel is running for re-election. He's got a Republican challenger. And uh, there's also a Democrat running and an independent. And then another incumbent, uh, Bert Saunders, is running unopposed. But uh, nevertheless, uh, he had, wants to stay on the commission because he wants to see a few projects through, like the uh, golf uh, community golf course that he's uh, helped to initiate. So uh, I'm hosting, I'm actually uh, one of the hosts for a forum, a live virtual forum for the Cuyahoga County candidates coming up on tomorrow at 3 p.m., Tuesday, June 16th. If you have an issue that you'd like addressed in the forum, please send me an email. You can send it to me at bobhardenhotmail.com. To find out more, uh, visit the website, and I'm looking right now, it's called FLCA. FLC Action, FLCAction.org is the website. You'll find all the information. You'll find a link in order to watch uh, the uh, proceedings. It's be about an hour and a half for the forum. And, of course, if you can't make it at that time, it will still be there. You'll be able to uh, get information. Well, hundreds of supporters and critics of Alfie Oaks faced off Saturday in a heavy downpour of rain over his Facebook post that COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter are hoaxes and that George Floyd is a disgraceful career criminal. Though the event in Naples did not lead to violence, participants of both protests exchanged harsh words against each other on the sidewalk outside of Oaks' seed table grocery store, which I've never visited, but I'm certainly looking forward to go there sometime. Deputies from uh, Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office began to step in and yelling progressed as yelling progressed. Ultimately, though, the rain ended up the driving the number of the protesters away, uh, largely those who came to support Oaks and their vehicles and inside the grocery store. At one point before the rain picked up, one group of protesters yelled Black Lives Matter while the Oaks border said All Lives Matter. An Oaks supporter waving an American flag ran alongside the sidewalk where supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement stood and shouted that Black Lives Matter is a hoax, stirring up, uh, I'm sure, lots of excitement. Black Lives Matter protested and chanted, uh, one, two, three, four, we don't want your racist store. Many of Oaks supporters wore red, white, and blue and, and Trump or mega hats, uh, attire while, uh, while holding American flags. My rights don't stop where your feelings start, and all lives matter, for the quotes. His uh, Oaks and his supportive, supporting gatherers uh, met for about an hour before the Black Lives Matter rally, was scheduled to begin in the parking lot, and he provided free food, and lots of uh, a crowd was uh, led in prayer and then heard a rendition of the national anthem, which was led USA, USA chant. Oaks later told supporters uh, that the purpose of his rally was not to protest the Black Lives Matter movement. Ours is not a protest. We're not protesting anything. We're simply trying to stick up for the First Amendment we're seeing in the media now where we're only hearing one side, and he's absolutely right about that. So the one of the opposing uh, representatives uh, was quoted as saying that uh, uh, he was, uh, it was about the community coming together to protest neighbors from a wealthy, protect neighbors from a wealthy businessman. Yeah, I'm not kidding. He really said that. Anyhow, so see uh, the table. Uh, that's uh, interesting business. I, I knew his father, Alfie uh, Oaks's father. He's a good man, and now Alfie's taken over the business. They certainly had similar views. Well, following in the steps of law enforcement agencies around the country, the Cuyahoga County Sheriff's Office has added explicit language in its policy manual that requires deputies to intervene if another officer is using excessive force. Uh, they have similar uh, language in both the code and uh, the jail operations policy, for, and they've, that's been the case for several years. Our, our sheriff, Kevin Rambos, wrote in a post on Facebook that the new policy provides very clear and specific directives. Oh, good for him. He says, as an Kalia uh, that's accredited with excellence agency, we're constantly reviewing our policies and procedures in order to provide more professional of the best practices in our community, he wrote. I'm committed to the ongoing review of our policies and practices for continued, continued improvement. 
of safety, respect, fairness, and equality for all. Yeah, the sheriff's just doing a great job, in my view. And, of course, uh, here in Cuyahoga County, you're going to have the rule of law. They will uphold their laws. And I can promise you there's no favorites. Uh, they are simply doing a great job. And fortunately, we have people like Sheriff Rambosk, as opposed to what happened in Atlanta. We're not even going to have time to talk about this in this opening segment. But, uh, uh, you know, it seems like everything is triggered so quickly right now. And uh, we need to maintain the rule of law. I'm behind the president on this for sure. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Schulman. He is in uh, Tel Aviv right now. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're going to be talking about current global events, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Well, of course, that's when we get back to business as usual. You can find out by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTigg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman, as I mentioned before the break. He's an author. He's written several books, mainly on past presidents. He's also the founder and publisher of a terrific website, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So let's start off by talking about current global world events and uh, disturbing news coming from North Korea. Absolutely. Um, according to estimates that have now come out, since President Trump met with uh, Kim Jong-un, which was two years ago at this point, I think it is, time, time really passes quickly, mm. uh, Korea, North Korea has now produced um, material for at least 20 additional nuclear bombs. So there was a red line, 
there was going to be terrible things happening, and, well, there was no red line, no terrible things. They just keep on producing bombs, and we need to accept the fact that they're a nuclear power at this point, and we can blame it on six presidents, you know, mm-hmm. five presidents, whatever it is. Each each one of them didn't take action, and uh, including the current one. So I think we have to accept the fact that North Korea is a fully nuclear state at this point. So what's happening with uh, his uh, Kim Jong-un's sister is now emerging, is taking some role, and she's threatening South Korea. Can you comment on that? Right. Well, that is the whole question at this point. The, this, this, she's threatening South Korea for the propaganda that they've been doing. Uh, and that There are North Korean defectors. Those people who have left North Korea have gotten to South Korea, and they've been engaging in propaganda trying to reach out to their countrymen. And she's practically threatening to go to war if they don't stop their propaganda. They wouldn't want to let a little light into that country. That would be very dangerous for the for the family in control, shall we say. Mm-hmm. It's really quite uh, quite an amazing situation when you think about it on every, on every level. So why why her and is this splashing on? Is that is this any indication that perhaps he's not in good health? It's not clear, really. You know, it, uh, you know we don't even have when we when we were trying to understand what was going on in the Kremlin. We at least had the TASS newspaper, and we could try to figure out based on that. We know so little about what goes on in Korea. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, through all the years of, of the Soviet Union, we had diplomatic relations with them. We had an embassy there. So did Great Britain. So did all these countries. They had embassies in the United States. And there, was a, there was a certain level of communication that existed even in the worst of times, mm-hmm. which also gives you a chance to... You know, learn about what's going on. You know, be not always correct, but we have no relations with North Korea, neither does anyone else practically. The Swiss, a few people, and so our knowledge is really very limited. Hmm. And um, maybe the Chinese know, and I don't think they're sharing really. So yeah, they're sharing <laughs> the wrong stuff. So let's let's move to Iran. So in Iran, we have this interesting combination of events taking place. Uh, one hand. They seem to be getting a, a full second wave now of, of attacks from COVID-19. They had had a complete lockdown, which they had gained some control, and they let go of their lockdown, and now their caseload case is exploding again. Um, and like other places that have let go, not carefully, let me put it that way, um, they, they also can't admit their mistakes, so, it's very, so they're going to have a really hard time of gaining control. In the meantime, they keep on lying to the world about the nuclear arsenal and they keep on building the nuclear arsenal. So I think we're going to have to assume that unless something changes or, or Israel does something, um, they're going to be a nuclear power as well at some point in the not-too-distant future. So Israel's declared, that worked. Israel's declared that they will never become a nuclear power, and uh, I think that's no, not even a veiled threat against Iran. Uh, so can you comment at all? I, I, I always expect this economy is weakening and the people are becoming more and more enraged and, uh, enraged and unsettled with, with the leadership in Iran. Any comments on that? Yes, yeah, so, so you have that situation, but again, we come down to, you know, we, we come down to Syria, which we could talk on briefly, by the way, as well, where this economic situation has now become so dire that even a lot of Assad's allies are turning on him. So, but Syria is an example where the people were angry, the people revolted, the people were killed, and Assad's still in power all these years later. Mm-hmm. So the Iranian people are thinking six times before they decide to take a take a shot at the regime. And the only way this regime is going to fall, I think, is from inside. And when I say inside, I don't mean inside the country. I mean inside the regime itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it might, but again, you have this problem that we don't really fully understand when a country is run by a theology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really hard to undermine it because God is telling them what to do. Yeah. And if you I'll believe th- in that, then... And they're all, they're also, if I'm not mistaken, I've underst- I understand that they're also extremists from to uh, to die the noble death for the cause of Islam is uh, you know in other words uh, it, it raises concerns about whether they'd be uh, willing to push the button so to speak. Right, no, very much so. That that's the real concern. I mean, there is a concern. The Israeli concern is the following. It's I mean, Israel has second strike capability according to all reports. And if they were to attack Israel with a nuclear weapon, Israel would wipe Iran off the face of the earth. But the concern is that the Iranians are not rational when it comes to that. And in order to bring about 
the, the coming of the next iman or whatever it is exactly where the Shiites claim will happen, that wiping Israel off the map will achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they're willing to sacrifice 50 million people in order to do it. So, again, you know, once you have any sort of religious person who's making decisions based on religion in charge of a country, very dangerous. It doesn't really make a difference which which religion per se, as long as they think they're doing the... As, as long as a person thinks he's doing the will of God, we have a real problem. Well, I think, let me say it a little differently. I think uh, as long as they're following the rule of law, as opposed to what might be in, in conflict with the rule of law, which would be their the theology or their way, of, their way of life, that's a problem. Right, but the rule of law is by, defined by who? Well, by the by the Islamic law. Well, in our case, Therefore. yeah, okay. So uh, I'm I'm just trying to draw the distinction that we have the rule of law here. We have our constitution. We have the laws on the book, so to speak. Which uh, most of our leaders have some sort of religious beliefs or not. Doesn't matter. The point is, but uh, it doesn't. No, the point of the matter is, it's not. It's someone a leader can have religious beliefs. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, and that's good. But it's when a when a leader makes decisions based on the fact that he is hearing the will of God. Yeah. Because once you hear the will of God, everything else is secondary if you believe that. So that's where it gets really dangerous. It's not that you're religious or you're acting in in concert with the general belief section of your religion, whatever that might be. No, but when you're hearing the will of God, that's when it gets dangerous. Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I want to continue the conversation. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And they posted the new season coming up. You can get tickets now at a nice discount by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, let's move to the discussion of Israel and annexation of territories. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? 
Well, okay, so the, the reason it's even taking place is twofold. Number one, because Prime Minister Netanyahu made that one of his key election um, pledges. Mm-hmm. Number two, because the Trump peace plan envisioned um, a peace where there would be a Palestinian state and that the Israelis, over X percentage of the territory, and Israel would annex the areas that wouldn't become part of the Palestinian state. Um, the Israeli government has sort of, well, Netanyahu's government, I should say, that part of it has um, interpreted that, meaning that they can, in the meantime, do the annexation and worry about the Palestinian state later. It's not quite clear where the Trump administration stands on that. That's one of the big questions that exist at the moment. Also, the Israeli, the American ambassador in Israel has been playing way outside the lines. He's he's very much someone who's in favor of annexation. He's an ideological supporter of that from going way back. Mm-hmm. He's actually attended meetings both Friday and yesterday between Prime Minister Netanyahu and what was the opposition, but now is the deputy or the replacement prime minister and minister of defense, trying to negotiate between them so they can come to a joint agreement on what to do in terms of annexation. Hmm. The problem is almost no one in Israel in the security establishment, diplomatic establishment, or anything else thinks it's a good idea other than those ideologues who believe all the land of Israel was given to to Israel by God. Go back to the God problem once again. Mm -hmm. And therefore we should annex whatever we can as quickly as we can. Hmm. No, it's taken 57 years. So yeah. it's a very divisive issue in Israel at the moment. Um, and it, it's sort of like, why is the, is the real question. And the why is because of the, the sense that with President Trump, they could get away with it. And who knows how long President Trump will be president, obviously, based on the polls. It's not a guarantee, let's put it that way. So uh, it kind of begs the question about Palestine, which, of course, is not a nation. It's not a nation state. And uh, my point of view is I've been informed that uh, that's primarily because they'd be held accountable for the terrorism and the things that are going on as a nation where that's not the case currently. Is that accurate? No, it's not accurate. The reason that a nation is because we've never no, nothing has ever been negotiated to create a nation. The idea was in the Oslo Accords was that they would become a nation after negotiating final borders and everything else like that. Now they turned down repeated final to, final uh, options that were given both by uh, Ehud Barak, Prime Minister, by President Clinton, and by Olmert, which gave them more and more territory, much more than the Trump plan did. Mm-hmm. But they were never willing to agree to give up on the return of the Arab refugees from 1948 that would then come inside the state of Israel, which would sort of you know, make and since they define refugees not as a refugee, but fifth generation, yeah. um, you have you know, millions of them. And so that's a real problem. And until they agree to that, you really can't reach an agreement. Look, the Palestinians, on one foot, are, in my opinion, the nation that 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 is entitled to nationhood least of anyone else in 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 the world. In the sense that they turned down every single compromise since 1936. Mm-hmm. Um, they turned down every peace proposal throughout the period of time, and they also are the ones who basically invented modern international terrorism in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. However, all that being said, from the point of view of someone who's currently in Israel, Israel doesn't need to rule over all of these Palestinians forever. And the only way to make sure that Israel remains a democracy and remains a majority Jewish state is somehow to find a way to separate from them. And that means eventually finding a two-state solution. Mm-hmm. So it's complicated. It is, but uh, but uh, underneath all those uh, de- declinations, all the times they refuse to agree or have any kind of a compromises, what's the motivation behind that? They ideologically truly believe that nineteen that that the state of Israel should never have come into existence. Mm-hmm. That the fact that they didn't agree to a compromise, well, they didn't have to agree to a compromise, and that the refugees the refugees were probably 30% caused by the Arabs themselves who told people to leave, 30% caused by just fear, 40% when, when a war takes place, people just run, and maybe 20 30% caused by the Israel at the very end to convince them to, to leave areas that were strategically important. Yeah. But they felt that um, they do not have to make a compromise. They've been living with the idea that they'll someday return to their homes in Jaffa and all these other places, and they're not willing to make the ideological compromise, and they've created this narrative that's existed for all of these years that they're not, that doesn't allow them to admit the fact that, 
okay, you know, we, to achieve what we need, we have to make a compromise. And they've just never been ready to make that compromise. And that's, you know, yeah. that's the, so is that the, the essence of the problem is their inability to make that compromise. Well, and, and isn't part of the problem also that they don't have a representative government? In fact, uh, do we really know that the Palestine, Palestinians feel that way? Or is this uh, is the expression? Okay, well, look, they, they, they had representative government. The representative government often, like, it becomes it turned into a dictatorship to some extent. Yeah. Polls show that the majority see, gets complicated because the polls show that the majority of those people who are actually living within what was the West Bank, when the area that it's been part of Palestine, definitely would agree to the, that sort of compromise. However, polls show that the majority of Palestinian refugees who are not living in that area oppose it. Mm-hmm. So the ones that are refugee camps in Lebanon and Syria and Jordan and. So, so they they're opposed to any sort of compromise. It's a complicated um, situation for sure. So let's let's it mo- has been for, uh, yeah. Let's yeah. let's move to the Philippines then. And what's what's happening? Right, so the Philippines today. A, a poor thing happened. A journalist by the name Maria Ressa, who I've actually heard speak, a very impressive woman, um, who was fighting corruption in the Philippines, was sentenced to six years in jail for slandering the government. Mm. So you can now say that the Philippines is clearly no longer a democracy if you're jailing journalists for slandering the government. I mean, drilling, jailing. You're not saying you give them a fine. You're not saying you're literally sending a woman who's been fighting corruption through multiple Filipino cor- uh, governments, but this government um, is the most um, power-hungry, close to dictatorship, mm-hmm. and they've now sent the journalist to, to jail for six years for mm-hmm. criticizing the government. So, you know, knock the Philippines off one of those countries that was that we used to consider uh, a democracy. She literally reported things on Facebook about the government. Yeah, that's that's so sad, isn't it? Be I mean, you, uh, it's been a while since I've heard anything about the leader of the Philippines, the, the elected official there. But I I know that he's a little bit <laughs> dingy. He's a little, a little bit nuts, maybe yeah, yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> So, well, I want to have, before I let you go, I do want to have a, a discussion about uh, what's happening with coronavirus uh, around the world, globally. What are your thoughts? Well, we've got a couple of things going on. So Europe seems to be slowly coming out of it. Um, they had the strictest, they had strict controls, and they're slowly coming out, but they're doing it step by step, a little bit at a time. We've had a, re- a rebirth of corona in China in the last couple of days, in Peking particularly. So they've suddenly clamped down their controls. Um, India and Pakistan, that seems to be, it seems to be going, growing out of control, which is really a problem because they don't have the health care to even deal with it. Mm-hmm. And South America seems like one of the worst places at the moment. Mm-hmm. Brazil is, is in a terrible shape. Uh, Ecuador, Honduras, Central America, those places are really, really in terrible shape. Um, so, so what are New Zealand? And, so, what is the New Zealand and uh, Australia and some of these other countries doing? That okay, be- so New Zealand is the New Zealand succeeded. They completely eliminated the virus. They had the one of the strictest lockdowns possible. They remained locked down until they had no new cases for a week. They didn't give up until they had no new cases for a week. Just understand that. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they are completely virus-free. They're not going to allow any visitors into New Zealand in the, in the immediate future, and no New Zealanders are going to go traveling. But within New Zealand, you are completely free of the virus, and it's close to that in Australia as well. Mm-hmm. Look, the reality is what we've seen is, and, and to go back to Israel, they unlocked very, very quickly. They had a very strong lockdown. They've been very successful. And then they unlocked everything almost immediately, and now the cases are going way up there again. So what we're seeing is the lockdowns, the social distancing works, um, but it has to be extremely strict in order to eliminate the virus. And once, once you don't, once you let go, there seems to be very little you can do to control it. Uh, we'll see what happens now as New York emerges. So far, they've kept quite low, um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, What's interesting, there's a development, uh, what is it, hydroxychloroquine or whatever it is. That's apparently there uh, on July, I'm going to read this uh on June the 2nd, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons filed a lawsuit against the Department of Health and Human Services at an FDA for irrational interference by the FDA with timely access to hydroxychloroquine. Uh, so, uh, to me, this looks pretty political, actually. <laughs> it's well, that whole thing is, I'm not sure what's going on with that at all, but by and large, almost every, almost every survey has now shown the fact that it has no 
no particular uh, benefit to um, to Coronavirus cases. The one thing that seems to seems to work is this medicine called Remdesivir, which doesn't cure it, uh-huh. but it does uh, make it less um, less severe, uh, from what from what I can understand. But there are all sorts of strange things that are taking place. That people are dying from from strange complications. I had something in Israel this morning where a 28 year old died from heart complications that that were that came from Corona. Wow! And so. Uh, this this disease is is very unknown to this you know after four months now um, it doesn't it is no longer considered just the res- respiratory disease. I just and finished so, reading the uh, I just finished reading the plague of corruption by uh, Judy Mikovits and uh, she telling her story and some people have tried to discredit her book but nevertheless it creates a lot of doubt about the about the uh, integrity of science and in, in uh, especially when it comes to big pharma so. Uh, anyhow, raises a lot of questions. I'd encourage you. I encourage anybody in our listeners. I would like to say that Judy Mikovich's book, if you can get a copy, "Plague of Corruption." Mark, sorry to take your time on that, but nevertheless, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much. Have for a great James. week, Bob, and all your listeners. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Reed. He is the president of the founda- president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I do want to underscore the importance of supporting St. Matthew's House. Go patronize their businesses, make a donation. I want to just do a shout out also to Lulabee's Diner. Uh, Jerry, there, the owner, uh, supports and has supported St. Matthew's House in a big way. Uh, you can find out more by going to stmatthewshouse.org. stmatthewshouse.org. We have with us uh, Larry Reed, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are a privately funded organization, educational in nature. Our focus is on high school and college students. And all over this country and abroad, we host programs uh, that they can attend that educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free markets, private property, limited government, and personal character. And we maintain a very active, robust website at fee.org. Fee.org. Please, if you have a young person in your life, grandchild or a child, 
Uh, at that age, you should certainly refer them to the Foundation for Economic Education. So, Larry, you wrote this great column, Seattle's Autonomous Zone. And we've all heard about that in the Paris Commune of 1871, which I would suggest most people haven't heard about. Uh, they're ominously similar, you claim. So tell us about it. Yeah, as soon as I heard about what was happening in Seattle last week, uh, I thought of the Paris Commune of 1871. Uh, back in that year, France had just lost the Franco-Prussian War uh, to Bismarck and the Prussians. And uh, in the face of that defeat, in fact, the Prussians even captured uh, Emperor Napoleon III, uh, the top guy in France. In the wake of that, there was uh, just a great deal of resentment, bitterness, and Marxist-inspired class warfare in Paris. So in March of 1871, these very far-left uh, radicals actually seized the city of Paris and ran it as their own little fiefdom, it only lasted about 70 days, uh, mm -hmm. but during that time they did some pretty rotten things. Uh, they uh, nationalized the uh, uh, churches in the community. They held priests as hostages. Uh, it, they really did some crazy things, but it was all in the name of you know, the People's Revolution, uh, a new kind of uh, communism, socialism. They're not really that far apart. Um, but it all ended after 70 days when yeah. the government of France uh, seized the city back. The whole city, that's remarkable. Now, we're talking about six square blocks downtown Seattle. Ne nevertheless, uh, now you point out that they were called communards <laughs> the, in 1871. That was kind of an interesting name. Uh, was Marx, uh, I think he was still alive at the time, was he uh, approving of the situation? Yeah, Marx was still alive. In fact, at, at first, uh, when there was talk of this happening, he was skeptical uh, of it. But as soon as it actually did happen, he became a supporter and actually hoped that uh, what he was seeing was a fulfillment of his own delusions. In the article, I quote uh, a statement that he made. He said, the struggle of the working class against the capitalist class, where have we heard that before, and its state, has entered upon a new phase with the struggle in Paris, whatever the immediate results may be, a new point of departure of world historic importance has been gained. Of course, he was never a very good prophet, and it turned out that uh, it wasn't all that important. It was uh, crushed and forgotten, and nothing like it has really been attempted ever since. And now we're trying it again right there in downtown Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. With that exception, <laughs> yeah, well, it just reminds me. You know, here, these folks. Apparently, the government brought porta potties, so <laughs> people. Oh can, my gosh! They can I take can it. assure you, the French government back in 1871 did not bring porta potties to the communards in Paris. <laughs> yeah, but just think about the, the right now. They have no place to bathe. They have no place to clean up. I'm, I'm guessing after a while, people are going to say, you know what? These services provided by the government, they're, they're pretty useful. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe they'll apply for foreign aid. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is so interesting, Larry. So you just can't make this stuff up. But it just goes to show that, was it, I said, Santiana, I guess it was the, the great quote, that uh, if uh, you don't know history, you are doomed to repeat it. And uh, we're seeing yeah. that happening right now. Yeah, it really is a, kind of a repeat. Although the Paris Commune did prove uh, to be far more violent than the one in Seattle so far. But, you know, it's, they're both motivated by the same general uh, objectives and intentions. They hate uh, capitalism. They love the idea of socialism. They want free stuff. And they don't regard other people's property as something to respect. Well, it's kind of like uh, the dog that caught the bus, you know. <laughs> yeah. Now they're starting to make decisions. They put this guy in charge. He's a leader. It turns out he's a severe homophobe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they've got to deal with their problems. And they ended up, uh, apparently there was a fire in the uh, in the. Uh, uh, they call it Chaz. I guess they would have called it Chop now. But uh, there was a fire, and they actually called the fire department for help. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? You know, in a lot of ways, uh, and I don't know how many younger people will know what we're talking about, but people of our generation still remember the Keystone Cops. Uh -huh. and that's pretty much what uh, is happening in Seattle with these uh, 
uh, crazy radicals. Well, hopefully this will be a good object lesson and will be lessons learned for young people because, you know what, when it comes down to some of these basic uh, services that, that government provides, they're pretty darn important. And uh, as people take this for granted, I, what really annoys me right now, I just don't know how uh, law officers, officers of the law right now, can abide the, the disdain that they're experiencing right now f- they do such important work, and for the most part, their interactions with the public are so positive. And once in a while, something about bad apple uh, comes up, but irrespective, I just uh, I want to do a little shout out to law enforcement and the great work that they do because right now they're getting a bad rap. Yeah, great point, Bob. The uh, the ninety nine plus percent uh, takes takes it on the chin uh, because of the uh, actions of of the 1% or less, and that's very unfortunate. Yeah. So, again, uh, come back to where we started. Uh, I do, first of all, you can read this column. I just uh, found it on FEE myself, FEE.org. You'll find Larry's column, Seattle's Autonomous Zone and the Paris Commune of 1871 are ominously similar. Uh, Check it out. And also refer that young person in your life to FEE.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. He is a former Barron's Washington Bureau chief. He retired from that, and now he's writing novels. They are really terrific. His first was Follow the Leader, and the sequel, it is a sequel, is Shake the Money Tree. Such an interesting story. We're going to do that more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobhardenathotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Jim McTagg. As I mentioned before the break, he's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's the author of a couple of great books. Uh, uh, the first is Follow the Leader, and its sequel, again, is Shake the Money Tree. Jim, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, Bob. I've been busy reading uh, two newspapers I dislike, but I read every day and reading between the lines because uh, sometimes uh, reading the uh, opposition's uh, newspapers uh, really is uh, enlightening, unintentionally enlightening. Uh-huh. And, uh, and the number one propaganda sheet I was reading today was the New York Times. Mm-hmm. 
And um, parenthetically, isn't I mean, it isn't it just too bad that the New York Times is a propaganda sheet today? It used to be such an important uh, a, a source of good news, and I'm, when I mean good, I mean appropriate and uh, and uh, good, uh, well well constructed news. Yeah, it it used to be a must read mm-hmm. because you could really trust its objectivity. That's no longer the case of uh, most uh, papers in the country. Right. It's, you know, I trust the objectivity of the news pages of the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, to the journal's credit, they keep their opinion on the opinion page. But most other newspapers uh, have become biased, and they mix the opinion on the news pages. So, but, but it, which is why I read between the lines. Mm-hmm. I saw this... Uh, quote, you know, you know, it, it underscores how important uh, Joe Biden's choice of vice president will be if he has any chance of beating uh, Donald Trump, because uh, he doesn't have a chance of beating Trump on his own. And uh, the Times had a story yesterday on his search for a VP candidate, and it had a line, I'm, I'm quoting here, at 77, Mr. Biden would be the oldest person ever elected a distinction with actuarial implications that cannot be discounted. <laughs> so essentially they're saying uh, Biden is old. It's very likely he will die in office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so his, his vice presidential choice will be um, of, of the uh, ultimate importance. And then you read other stories about who his list of uh, candidates are as he narrows it down. And they're all unelectable people. I mean, uh, it, it's, it tells me that uh, his campaign is doomed. Right. And, and just, just let me quickly add, uh, the Times had a, a big story today about President Trump's speech at West Point that had nothing to do with the speech. I, I call it the, the West Point wobble story. The president was coming down a ramp onto the stage Uh, a very steep ramp, and he was walking carefully. And the Times has a story questioning his health, uh, questioning his vitality. So what they're trying to do is make uh, uh, relativism, they're trying to make the president look as physically impaired as his... Joe, Joe Biden. Joe Biden. <laughs> yes. Look at the president. He can't walk down a ramp. Are you kidding? Because actually, the content of that message that he gave uh, to the military academy was quite uh, outstanding in my view. Do you mind if I just make a, a quick quote? Let me. Let... I know. I'd love to hear it. Okay. So uh, he says, and this is about his policy vision. It says, we are restoring the fundamental principles of the job of the American soldier is not to rebuild foreign nations, but defend and defend strongly our na- nation from foreign enemies. He said, we're ending the era of endless wars. In its place is a renewed, clear-eyed focus on defending America's vital interests. It's not the duty of U.S. troops to solve ancient conflicts in faraway lands that many people have never even heard of. We are not a policeman of the world, he said. Boy, is that a clear-eyed vision. I mean, that to me, that says it all. If you want to know what the foreign policy is in the United States, that's it. Uh, plus, it's a major uh, policy shift. I mean, it's of historic proportion, and yet the New York Times hardly mentions the speech at all. They just have a video of the president coming down the ramp. <laughs> <laughs> it's so because you know he he gave a great speech after the lo- uh, rocket launch uh, a couple weeks ago. This was a great speech, and unfortunately, most people are not even going to know about it. Yeah, well, you know, most people. I think uh, I'll repeat. I'm not a Trump fan, yeah. and I and I don't like the Democrats. I'm I'm one of those wishful thinkers who who who. Would would imagine that some magical candidate would appear from nowhere, you know, that that would be easy to vote for. Uh, well, let me let me paint a picture case. for you, Jim. Let me paint a picture because this is this is this would be the constitutional crisis of all time, and that is that uh, the uh, Biden decides to select Michelle Obama as his running mate. Uh, when he's elected, if he's elected, he, uh, he, she would, and the cabinet would evoke the 27th Amendment, and uh, they would have a Barack Obama as kind of the shadow president behind Michelle. Yes. Um, 
Fortunately, though, she's not on his list of candidates. Uh, but everybody on his list mm-hmm. pretty much has failed before. Like Kamala Harris is supposedly the leading contender. Uh, she was a hot commodity at the beginning of the uh, Democratic primary season, and she fell off the cliff rather quickly. The yep. Democratic Party uh, got very bored with her. Yep. Uh, she, she didn't ignite any fires. And then Elizabeth Warren, who couldn't even carry her own state of Massachusetts in the primary, is number two on the list. I mean, who's he trying, trying to kid? If his own party will not support these people, uh, what? How does he think that's going to help his candidacy? Yeah. Uh, Susan Rice is just uh, radioactive. Yeah. And she's had she's never been elected to office. You know, she was an appointee, a Bill Clinton appointee, who became a Barack Obama appointee. Right. And of and of course she's up to her her throat in the uh, RussiaGate scandal. So, uh, and then you have Representative Val. Is it uh, Dennis? Demings. Val Demings. I don't even know who that is. I mean, she... She's she's a mayor of someplace in... I've forgotten where. She was a police chief in Orlando, too. And Atlanta uh, Mayor uh, Keisha Lace uh, uh, Bottoms. um, I mean, uh, Bill de Blasio uh, was the mayor of New York City, and the Democrats rejected him. So, So why would they support... The mayor of Orlando, you know, I mean, it's a crazy, stupid list. Uh, Biden is holding his finger up into the air to see which way the winds are blowing. You know, right now, you know, we have the outrage over the uh, police shooting or the the police killing in in, uh, Minneapolis. So Black Lives uh, Matter is uh, front and center on, you know, in the news headlines. That's right. And, And so he's, you know, he's, you know, Biden is being bent by that wind, and and that really is negative for his candidacy. The public sees that, of they, course. They see, it's it's. I mean, and, and the, the polls are so uh, uh, distracted, so so uh, uh, slanted towards uh, supporting Biden. It's unbelievable. And I want to ask you about one name that we're not hearing at all, which is kind of ironic, is Tom Perez, the head of the Democrat Party. Have you heard anything about him and what's going on? I haven't. I, I have not, and I'd have to go onto my Wayback Machine, which is what I call a Google search, yeah. to figure out. Uh, you know, something in my mind is flashing that Perez has a has an anchor around his neck. So, so you I mean, uh, but wouldn't you expect him to be uh, in the limelight or, or, or providing some direction for the Democrat Party? Or it just seems like they're kind of coming apart at the seams. Well, it does. It's you know, uh, Biden has has. has put himself in a corner, number one, by saying he would pick only women as vice president. So, so, um, and I'm not sure that the Democratic establishment is giving its full-throated support to to, uh, Biden. I agree. Uh, You know, he just doesn't have the campaign war chest that uh, Donald Trump has. I agree with so, that. Um, any any other thing too is a, as I understand it, Trump's popularity with blacks is up to forty percent. I don't know why he's bothered. You know, but this this whole uh, 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 politics of identity crisis or identity politics is just ridiculous. Anyhow, I mean, we should get back to the Constitution. Where's the where's the, we should discriminate and say who's the best person for the job? Why don't we pick him or her? <laughs> well, I think I think Peggy Noonan nailed it in a in a maybe it wasn't Peggy Noonan. <laughs> I'm I'm remembering a, uh, an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal that Trump essentially is running against himself, yeah. and he's doing his damnedest to defeat himself because he's done some really dumb things. Uh, the dumbest thing was the uh, photo op at St. John's Church across from the White House. Yeah. Um, you know, and clearing clearing out the square and walking across the square and hefting the Bible like a box of Wheaties. I mean, right. that was really dumb. Yeah, if that's the uh, dumbest thing he does during the, the course of his presidency, we're in great shape, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, yeah, you have to keep your fingers crossed, though, because sometimes he, he does nonsensical things, and you and you wonder uh, why is he why is he trying to... Uh, 
he had victory into the jaws of defeat. Well, so, I tell you, it's it's all about he's it's, he's not political. He's trying to maintain and revive the American culture. And when you just take a look at anything he does, you can find that that's usually the root cause of, of his actions. So, Jim, I wish we had more time to talk. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here in the show. Again, I want uh, listeners to to take a look at your books. Follow the leader and shake the money tree. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun. Always appreciate uh, your uh, listening, and uh, you can send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Don't forget about the uh, the event tomorrow at 3 o'clock. The uh, flcaaction.org is the website to find out more. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or... Wherever you are, namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>